0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Halfway House Podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Phillips. We're doing things a little differently this week because we have a different and unique type of guest, Dr. Javette Ward. On this week's episode, we talk about life, sports, television, with a sprinkle of politics involved. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did recording it. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages welcome back again to the next episode of the halfway house podcast i am your host ben phillips and with me she was originally supposed to be the first guest of the halfway house podcast but you know life scheduling and me having the flu at the beginning of the new year absolutely threw a kink into our schedules but without further ado And without better introduction, is my guest, and you better be damn sure you call her Dr. Ward, Dr. Javette Ward. And her favorite TV show is The Simpsons. And don't let her tell you different. Don't let her tell you different. But her favorite TV show is The Simpsons. And she is, amongst other things, the president. Of CLA, which I just learned what that was not too long ago, but we'll get into exactly what that is. Doc, how are you?
1: I am good, Ben. Thanks for having me here. I said, Ben, look at me not calling you Nemesis, and as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you said part of that introduction, you know I wanted to say Nemesis because I say, look at him already starting it. We hadn't even gotten into the conversation yet, uh, but are, are you, if you act right, I'll act right.
0: We shall see how this episode <laughs> progresses and see exactly how it goes because don't let her tell you different now. She she wanted, she she may not like to admit it, but The Simpsons is truly very one of her favorite it is, TV shows.
1: I, 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 I literally wrote this down. I was like, have I even watched full episodes outside of the one I showed you in class? Uh, <laughs>
0: and just like reality TV is one of my favorite genres of TV, spoiler alert, don't... We'll come back to that. So, uh, but again, how are you, doc?
1: I am doing well. I'm honored to be on this podcast. I was honored that you even considered me for the very first one. And I'm sad that you, of course, had the flu and we weren't able to do it. But I am so proud of you that you are now to episode 17. That is impressive.
0: Yeah, well, official episode 17, because uh, me and my co-host probably did, I don't know, seven or eight trial run episodes okay. before we actually officially launched it before because originally i think this probably became we're coming up almost on two years when i originally when you were one of the many individuals that i reached out to about this becoming an idea and i wanted to do it somewhat right in my mind so i pushed this thing back god knows how long before i officially did do a launch But again, as you mentioned, this is officially, this will be, once it goes live and everything like that, this is episode number 17. She knows the episode numbers better than I do, and I'm the host of the show, so I guess I don't know exactly what that says about me, but I guess we'll find (laughs) out a little bit more about myself and my glorious guest on this episode.
1: Well, I am excited to be on the Halfway House podcast. You know, of course, as soon as you sent it to me, my first question was why halfway house like
0: why why is it named that so when I originally brought the idea to you but when I originally brought it to a good friend of mine who's so more fa- more of a family member um uh, I was throwing out names and one of the first questions he asked me is you didn't even ask me you, you know you didn't even ask me if I wanted to be involved I said you didn't, you don't know that. I, I, that's making assumptions. And you know what they say about assumptions, you know? So I, um, you know, we, we eventually got down to it and we just started throwing out names and everything like that. And a couple of the names that I originally had in mind um, was, they were already taken by shows, whether they were still in production or not, they were names were already taken. And then I, when we kind of came up to it, I said, I want something. When you see the name, you're going to be like, huh. That's interesting, and and it kind of it, it, it makes you think you're like, I'm curious now. Whether that curiosity continues, but that, that curiosity is something that I I wanted you to be curious about, and I want you to kind of wonder exactly what was going on and everything like that. So that, that's kind of where the name comes from, because I had a, it was a going back now and just looking at some of the name ideas, there were a lot of bad ideas for names, but this was kind of the one that stuck. And it was kind of the one that kind of just I think it'll catch your eye, catch your ear when you when you hear the name, it kind of makes you want to know more. So
1: it does make me want to know more. Your answer makes me want to know more because you told me uh somewhat like you want someone to be curious, but you still had told me like what does it mean?
0: <laughs> so it's 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 kind of it's more of it's just it is it I don't know, you kind of see maybe the description on the actual page itself. Uh-huh. It's it's just kind of, it's it's more of a house of a lot of different ideas, a lot of collaborative information. So, okay. You know, just the kind of so like half this baked is, ideas that you just shoved into this house. Yes, yeah, like, like, like like some a, of the like some of the papers
1: a, you used to hand me. Oh, great, oh, uh, we are like, 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 we like, gonna
0: get into this. You're <laughs> jumping the gun, Doc. you jumping the gun. I put in, I see, I was supposed to make fun of some of my bad papers. Not you. I, mean, I was supposed you, to do that. I thought
1: that. you said this was collaborative. I thought it's we were supposed
0: to co- be doing this like, I, 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 I was supposed. I was supposed to feed you, because we were oh. going to get into that. And then you, you were going to. You
1: should have put that in the notes you sent me. See, I didn't see that part. That part was there.
0: See, <laughs> I, I see. Look at you just jumping the gun. Because I, 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 I thought about the last paper I did, and I said, she didn't put any comments by it, but that's probably a good idea that she did. That's probably looking at the grade that I got, I said, you know what? what? That's that's probably a good idea that she didn't actually put in the comments or any notes by it. Because she probably got halfway through this paper and just be like, oh, My God, what is going on here? Because I I I will admit to you now, now that I'm no longer one of your prospective students I did I I was running out of steam somewhere in that paper and I just kind of started no yeah yeah doc I I have to admit uh you know writing isn't my I'm a lot better than I used to be but that might not be saying much so um yeah I I ran out of steam doing that paper so
1: um well for, for those in the audience so Ben was in my race class and gender um, class at Mississippi State and we had a lot Hill of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what what is my background picture as we're recording this right now? It go is, Tigers, University it's, it of Memphis.
0: Is, yeah, yeah, so sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure,
1: sure. My mom always says, she's just like, how you gonna keep saying go Tigers? She's like, you work in Mississippi State uh, and I was just like, uh Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I work at state, but I bleed blue. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so, uh, race, class, and gender, and uh, we had a packed house. That was a full class, and uh, we had some really interesting debates on race and uh, politics and The Simpsons um, and uh, what uh, friends and living single. And of course, why we're here today—some sports uh, right. as well. So yeah, some good times.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 you know, because when we did our original mock, oh, and I, I'm about to take a victory lap real quick. You, oh are. gosh, uh, <laughs> when we, when we, when we did our original mock debate, we didn't yes. win, but that was the preseason.
1: But Ooh. when it came,
0: but when it came down to actually winning those debates, mm. we were my team, the team that I was a part of. Okay, got those victories. Okay, and I wanted my and because I felt like I was disrespected, mm. and, and, and you know, mm. and, and like mm. uh, just for the record, for the record, <laughs> for the record. Okay, I, I felt disrespected in those preceding preceding okay. meetings. Oh, but. When it came soul. down, when, when the when, when the lights were the brightest, mm. I didn't let them see me sweat. Okay. So I was part of those winning teams when it came to those debates. And, you know, I showed but up ben- as, as, as a primetime player. Now. <laughs>
1: well, it's so funny that you talk about that. So uh, so Ben's talking about in my classes, we do Lincoln-Douglas debate where I divide the class into two halves and they actually debate a topic. Um, and I think one of the most popular ones that we did that year was whether or not college athletes should be paid. Um, right. And at Mississippi State, of course, an SEC school in the South that you can imagine, there were um, quite a bit of opinion uh, in the room um, on that topic uh, that happened to fall I think, were we in the middle of, were we in football season or basketball? I can't remember.
0: Well, we were, it, it, it was, it was one, the middle of the pandemic being 2020, the uh better late half of 2020. And we were, it was the fall. So we were in the middle of football season, basketball season. I don't believe originally had started yet, but it was about to kick up. So mm. it, it you mm. know, being those, being the two sports that drive revenue yeah. the most, um, it was, it was a, and I, I could remember this correctly at least I like to think so on the original trial mock that we did, I was on the side of trying to defend why college athletes uh, shouldn't be paid. And if you could just hear the filth that was coming up in that, in in that room of trying to, of me trying to defend it. I was like, what am I doing? This is not the side I, I want to be on. What am I doing? What I am know. I doing? And so. that's the
1: brilliance of Lincoln-Douglas debate, right? Like it's challenging you all to think about topics from multiple angles, including the angles that you don't agree with, because one, it helps you become a better arguer, not that you need any help, uh, (laughs) but it helps you become a better thinker uh, and to articulate your ideas on the spot, become better writers, uh, to become better communicators, and to really consider um, rhetoric, to consider argument, to consider fallacies, um, all of those different things. And Uh, My current class, I'm teaching African-American literature right now, um, both at the 4,000 and 6,000 levels, so seniors and graduate students. And this past week, they had their first Lincoln-Douglas debate in the class, uh, and it was on sex and religion. Um, (laughs) Your face just lit up. Uh, that was their very first one. And this was the first time that any of them had ever done it. And they loved it. They actually, I told them about your podcast. We discussed it in class on Thursday. They were very excited about it. They gave me a bunch of thoughts and things that they thought we should talk about. They even asked for a shout out. So I'm gonna have to shout out English 43, 43, 63, 43 at Mississippi State. Um, they, they claim that they're my favorite class that's what they said mm-hmm, and i was mm-hmm. like ah uh-uh, don't go around throwing little mm-hmm, things out mm-hmm, like that no. mm-hmm. <laughs> but they are a great class and mm-hmm. i'm enjoying working with them uh, but yeah sex and religion uh, i played the song let's talk about sex baby as we um started out
0: bunch of amateurs <laughs> but that's neither here nor there
1: how, you weren't even there how you gonna talk about them <laughs>
0: we were the best class and that's not up for Ooh,
1: oh oh Oh,
0: okay that was not and that's not up for debate ladies Find and gentlemen words. um i remember i believe it was the second debate we did and mm-hmm. not to throw anybody under the bus but oh god uh, don't you throw out no names <laughs> no we're not, we won't throw out any names but I, i'll just say this i remember instead of there being a plaintiff and a defendant now we did this virtually. I, uh, I, I, honest to God, wish we were actually in a classroom when this happened. But um, we were in there were instead of there being a plaintiff and a defendant in this case, there were two plaintiffs. And if you could just imagine, <laughs> Doctor War had to correct. It, but if she hadn't have done it, you, I, I actually did it during the actual debate, and people were like, "That's a mistake. That's a mistake." I was like, "Yeah, that's a mistake." But that's not a mistake that you can make in these kind of situations. So long story short, I, I I absolutely pounced on that opportunity. But let me just give you a little uh, <laughs> more of an introduction into who Dr. Ward is. She is the president mm-hmm. of CLA and also a lifetime member of the mm-hmm. College Language uh, Association. Mm-hmm. She is a former journalist, former public relations professional. She is also a business owner of Javette Ward Consulting LLC. Mm-hmm. She has many experiences within researching and teaching and ironically enough something that I alluded to earlier was you better be damn sure you call her doctor because we have a common individual in, encounter that did not do this not too long ago because we happened to actually come across PATH for the first time actually in person because when we uh, when I was a student in her class we did this virtually because this was the pandemic year when people were still take, you know taking mm-hmm. it seriously so uh just so happened that we came across each other's path and that's how we eventually got this set up um where we actually got it rescheduled and everything like that and instead of just doing we were actually able to hammer out a schedule and get everything yeah. worked out so um and and trust me she had a lot of thoughts at that time when she saw me we're, that that's an off the that that's an off line conversation but we we've had a version of that conversation <laughs> How's your daddy doing uh how you doing? He, he's fine he, he's fine tell him so I said hi I, I, I will pass the message along he, he he's fine so we uh we we uh we had a version of that conversation offline she didn't say much but she said enough you know like they said if eyes could speak if they could they they told a story of a thousand words so um,
1: because, because i care for my students and i want to make sure that they are on track with their lives
0: right right so that <laughs> you know she she let me have both barrels but um with all love and care as i do it, as it, i it, do right it, it, it came from a real genuine place and that's why i appreciate it <laughs> um, so let's actually stop just talking about myself and everything. Let's actually talk. You mean about... your favorite pastime?
1: No, oh, but okay.
0: <laughs> look at that. I just knew she was going to come with the zingers. I was Look, I- I'm glad I'm feeling much better because I, I just knew she was going to come. She was going to come with the heat.
1: That's why Good I didn't fast. want to record this when you had the flu. I don't like to fight with you when you all sad and you know
0: sniffly and all right. time. You're like so I she, need
1: you at you. I need
0: you on point. Right. So she <laughs> she's she fastball inside jam sandwich. Um, so let's actually talk about you and more get into uh okay. let's talk about the person that you are, the po the person that you have become, and exactly where did that start? Like, what was some of the real impactful moments. And as we know, it takes a community. And we oh, like yeah. to say a good community to raise a child, to bring a child up. Let's actually talk about what really or some of the most important things that has you as the person that you are today.
1: Oh, yeah. No, thanks for that question. And I love that mindset and that recognition of, like I said, understanding that we don't get to where we are on our own, right? That there are so many people who care about us, hopefully who have fed into us to get us to where we are. And I know that that's true from my narrative. Um, and that's even what, you know, you and I were just joking about when we ran into each other. Uh, and yes, we already had this podcast on the schedule, but you're, you know, one of my former students. And, you know, when, once you're one of mine, you're always one of mine. Uh, And and you got to have a one of mine experience where I was like, okay, what are we doing? What's going on? What's the next step? What's the plan? Uh, And that's one of those pouring into moments, right? Uh, And we're we're joking about your dad because you're like, I'm I'm gonna let him know uh, that you checked in. Yeah, like we do what we do. Uh, But for me, uh, you definitely I have to start with my parents first. Um, Of course, uh, my parents set a standard of. Excellence, uh, a standard of respect, a standard of this is what we expect from you and we are going to give you the tools to get there and um, we are trusting you to perform in this way. And it's a way of honoring um, our family, honoring ourselves. um, But um, for them, uh, most importantly, um, and their way of being um, honoring God, um, because they um, are coming from a background of faith. Um, And so they were always saying, do your best as unto the Lord. Um, That was always the framework that they were coming from. And my parents and I, um, our faiths are not exactly the same. We have um, different manifestations of it. But my faith is incredibly important to me. Um, And the way that I operate, the way that I care, um, my standard of operating is to live a life of love. Um, And that's loving people, no matter who they are, where they're from, um, across the board, that's how we should act and operate, is caring for people. Uh, and so I think that's the foundation um, that they gave for me. And it's a thing that I think their parents gave to them uh, because my grandparents have also been incredibly important um, for me. I've been incredibly blessed uh, to have had a relationship with my grandparents all the way up into my adult years uh, my granny uh, my mom's mom she's still alive uh, I actually have a pair of shoes that my sister just shipped here um, for her that I have to go drop off um, this week uh, so she's still alive and then my grandmother recently passed away um, just um, less than two years ago and to have had them for that long in my life to be able to have experienced a relationship with them as a child, um, as a teenager, as a young adult, as a mother, um, now as an empty nester. Like that is, I've seen so many different iterations of a relationship with them. And they've been able to pour into me uh, from that. Uh, and then I think academically, I've had so many amazing academic mentors throughout my life. Um, So many professors and fellow colleagues and friends who I admire, who I respect as scholars, as professionals who have looked out for me, who have given me opportunities to grow and to thrive. I know that I wouldn't be the president of CLA, the College Language Association today, without the individuals who laid a pathwork and laid the foundation for me to be able um, to do the work that I do today. Um, and then I think lastly, I I can't believe I'm going to say this where it's recorded and where they're going to hear it. Because, oh, my goodness, my siblings <laughs> and you know how siblings can be. Uh, I might ask you to edit this part out, um, depending on how I feel, uh, you know, later, but I have four siblings. I am the oldest of five and I have so much respect um, for my siblings um, because from them, I had an opportunity, I think as the oldest, um, you have a certain role in the family, right? Uh, As the oldest daughter, I had the opportunity to learn to lead. I had the opportunity to learn to care um, for a group of people, my four younger siblings. Um, But I also had the opportunity to learn how to be a member of a team. I had the opportunity to learn how to figure out conflict resolution. Uh, I had the opportunity um, to grow collectively um, together. And my siblings are some amazing individuals. Like I am regularly in all of those four. Um, I have one sister who is um, an amazing, an amazing homemaker mother. Um, She has a master's degree in public health administration and has worked in that field. And she's now chosen to be at home with her kids. And I respect that choice because she's setting um, an example on the idea of feminism, you know, being a choice, right? You have the choice um, to work or the choice to, you know, stay at home, which is also work in a different way. Uh, She's like, this is my choice. And she's modeling that for her children. I have um, one sister who is brilliant with design and finance, and we actually work together in our um, family business. And she is one of the <laughs> sharpest. You think I got a smart mouth. You should see that sister. I mean, she's on a whole another level. Uh, my other sister is a corporate attorney um, and my brother, oh my gosh. I'm like, do you need more credentials, sir? I mean, he is a major in the Air Force who is also um, about to graduate from law school in a couple months. Like those people inspire me. So yeah. I have had the opportunity of being surrounded by some of the most amazing individuals who I also get to call my siblings.
0: couple things. Um, our stories have some similar ties and just some, some uh, things in reverse. My grandmother, God rest her soul, was such an important part of uh, my life as well. My father's mother. Um, I was one of her primary caretakers for uh pretty much until I decided to come this way and go to Mississippi State. And the lessons that you learn from the uh, from older generation, just the things I, I think about it from the time where I a part of the responsibility fell on my shoulders at 13 to when I left to actually come to state at 21. It she she taught me how to be less selfish like one of those very important and to take time and to take to care about what you're doing like those lessons like that and you talk about being the oldest Mm -hmm. i'm the youngest of of my mother's three kids so and I'm my father's only child that I know of, as I like to say. I I like to throw that in because you just you just never know. But so don't far, do that to
1: your daddy. I'm, a, right. I'm a, Don't do that to your daddy. I, look, look. Uh-uh, I, to, uh-uh. to to we're not going to do that.
0: I, I know, but I just I, I, I like to say that because you just never know. But so far, nobody else has come out the woodworks. There's no no disrespect, but it's just, I just have to be. You know, I, I just like to say that because you just never know. Sometimes, right. but as you talk about in so many words failure was almost not an option for you Mm. especially being oh yeah being the oldest you you had everybody else and there's always like this competitive nature of wanting to be the best not necessarily you don't necessarily say it out loud but it's always like what you can do i can do better kind of thing and especially being the oldest you have to be the one to set the example because people are looking at you more closely people are looking at you more closely, and you know, you you kind of did a great quality segue. Uh, you know, you may have a second, third, or fourth career in this line of work if you choose to, to, <laughs> to take this direction. Um, career path. Mm-hmm. I had a two moments in particular that I want to tell you about that happened for me. But what, like, as I kind of phrased the question to you, was there a proverbial light bulb that just kind of went on for you? Where it was mm-hmm. just like... Okay, we need to do something different or we this needs to be a path that I take mm. to where I'm I'm looking at my future and what my future holds or what I want my future to hold.
1: Yeah, so you know, my very first um, degree is in journalism, um, but newspaper. Um, I thought I was going to be a news reporter and work in newspaper, and of course that it was a very dying industry. But then I also realized I really didn't enjoy creating it. I enjoyed you know, reading the newspaper, but I didn't want to do it. And part of the reason why I realized this was because along the way, I started taking some African-American literature courses. And there was this one professor in particular. Uh, she was amazing. She was phenomenal. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Uh, I want to have classes um, like what she's doing. And it inspired me. It inspired me to get the PhD. It inspired me to do this work. And I, I knew nothing about PhDs. No one in my family. I'm a first generation PhD holder. Uh, and I, I didn't know about the research side. I didn't know about publications. I didn't know about um, service, like you know, becoming the president of CLA, which uh, falls under that category. I didn't know about the other side of it. I just saw this teaching angle um, and it was so much more than I ever thought it would be. And I have loved it. I've loved being a professor. It has been such a fulfilling career, yet at the same time, I constantly am like, am I an adult yet? Like, have I fully grown up? Uh, because I know that I have interest in so many things. And I'm like, what do I want to do next? Like, I know, like you just said, hey, maybe you have, you know, a career in this area. I love so many different things. Like, my siblings and I, of course, have um, a company that we run together um, because I love uh, renovation home design uh, things. And we have that and um, with the investments over there. And that's fun because I get to learn from them. My brother is really um, into, you know, business creation. He and he um, has um, his, um, his businesses that he's been working on um, and everything. Um, I was actually trying to pull it up right quick so I can make sure that I give it um, the, the right name. So he has his worldly um, shoe um, brand for children that he's launching um, as well. So like it's, I think we are always in this creative space of like, what's next? How could I take my talents and skill sets and apply them in a different way? Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to another challenge in another space um, at some point. So who knows what that might be? <laughs>
0: Speaking of that, it, it it like the the wires are connecting in my head, and okay, a, as you you were telling me about yours, I just like to think about mine. I remember the first one that kicked me, okay, and it, it like I said, this truly for me was like the light bulb. If that like the cartoons used to do the actual, I felt like the actual light bulb literally came out of my skull <laughs> and literally just came on for me. You had my a first, Looney Tunes moment, <laughs> right? My my first one was in. I had two particular. My first one was in tenth grade. Okay. And these two gentlemen, I can't necessarily say one way or the other they were kind of picking on me because I was one of these individuals, wasn't popular in high school, but I wasn't considered one of the complete nerds. I was literally middle of the pack almost, um, depending on who you talk to. And I remember being in this computer class and just being in 10th grade and realized that these individuals in a couple of years really won't matter in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. So it, that was kind of like one of those moments. It kind of set me on this path. And originally, for me, because I was one of my, uh, one of my grandmother's primary caretakers at the time. Originally, I was swayed to go into because originally I was going to go into business, mm. and I was swayed into another direction. I kind of this individual says, "Hey, you should go into nursing because that's what I was primarily doing." and at the time i wasn't driving yet because i didn't drive in high school i didn't drive mm. until i actually got to uh community college um, okay so i hadn't started driving yet this was kind of really right after i signed up to go to uh, a community college and i told this individual well hey, i'm not driving yet. so hey i'm gonna uh if you take me back out there i will switch to nursing one of the worst decisions in my life he oh, called right. my bluff he called my bluff it was one of the worst decisions in my life but it was also one of the greatest decisions in my life because I realized how much I did not enjoy that. Mm. I absolutely did not enjoy the process of it. It wasn't that I couldn't do it, but I just didn't want to make the commitment to do it. And I remember it was some, I guess some kind of job failed, you know, with other schools, you know, were at uh, CCC at the time. And I was thinking about occupational therapy of some sort. Okay, And I remember telling the guy, I went up to him and he asked me, is this what you really want to do? And my answer was kind of like, sheepishly he was like yes this is what i want to do <laughs> he, he, he didn't call me out on it at the time but that was kind of like one of those moments like you don't want to do this for your life because you don't want to be one of these individuals who's 35 40 45 mm. and saying i hate my job i hate my career so that kind of and i've always loved sports and the mm. store and the storytelling of sports i can remember being a mama's boy god rest her soul um I remember the first time it really clicked for me was the 2006 NBA finals between mm. uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. Okay. And Mama's favorite player was Shaq. So being a Mama's <laughs> boy, my first favorite player was Shaq. And I remember wanting where it really clicked for me, where I wanted to know the backstory of how these teams got here. Mm. And that just that that started me down that path of wanting to be, particularly to talk about sports. So and wanted to be on this side of the business Mm -hmm. because I missed my window to be at least whether I would have been a professional athlete or not to really make that commitment of wanting to play sports in high school, because I was so afraid of failure at that time Mm -hmm. in my life. So that was Mm kind of, that was kind of like those kind of the moments for me where really two of the most particular moments so far in my life that really clicked. So, um, let, let's talk about the past the present and the future at least starting off for you where you are today mm-hmm. and where you've where you've come from where you've grown what do you kind of as you said you you have so many interests mm-hmm. w- what does the future look like at least if you could kind of have like a rough draft there's that word again um what does the rough draft of your future the present and the future look like to you
1: oh the rough draft that sounds like a therapy session question. Hmm. Like, <laughs> oh goodness! So, the rough draft of the future. I, I think right now I've really been thinking a lot about joy, about embracing joy. Um, I recently went through a divorce and. I, um, have been really reflecting on what brings me joy, what brings me happiness. And I am so thankful for the years that I call, I call him my husband. We're really good friends. Um, so, uh, cause I was like, I don't like ex husband. That sounds horrible. And like, uh, and so I decided on husband, um, and he was like, really, seriously, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, like, was husband, husband, uh, uh so my my husband, because uh, we have our wonderful daughter, of course, that we co parent, um, together, and we are, you know, creating this new path of life, of new manifestation of what family looks like, because we're always family, um, going forward, um, for her, and but I'm also, you know, figuring out what does joy look like for me. Um, the individual um, just solo. And so as I plot out the future, it's a future that's re- reevaluating life, career, choices, um, everything uh, because I love the fact that when you initially sent me uh, the questions um, that you ask about mistakes uh, because oftentimes when we talk about life and, we're, you know, trying to inspire people. We always tell, you know, the glory stories, the wonderful things that we've done well. And I mean, clearly, uh, we both have done some things well, right? You know, you got the degree, you survived my class, congratulations, yay yeah, you. Uh, you know, I have, <laughs> uh, have clearly done some things in life to get to this point. But we also are humans who make mistakes along the way. And it's in those mistakes that we can also learn and grow um, if we are hopefully willing to take the time to learn and grow from them. And I, I think about uh, the moments where I, I haven't um, made the best choices or when I, I failed, like, right. Yeah, because failure is part uh, of life um, and, tough moments are part of life um, as well. And so as I'm looking towards the future, I'm, I'm taking a moment to reflect. And I think reflection is incredibly important to evaluate and to say, Hey, what, what are some things that worked well? What are some things that didn't work well? How uh, can I grow and become the best manifestation of self uh, that um, is full of joy um, and and, and love, because one of the things that I have definitely have been thinking about, and I've told you is foundational to my operating, is loving and caring for others. Well, one of the things that I've also been challenging myself on is loving and caring for self, uh, because that is incredibly important, and we often forget it, uh, and it's taking the time to make sure that self um, is okay, and so... I don't know if I have any particulars on that rough draft of what that means, but that is the framework of how I'm building that rough draft. Um, That is the method of operation um, that I'm utilizing as I'm creating that next draft of life um, as I'm moving um, forward. So in my career, um, in my personal life, in um, every aspect of being, And I I hope that it is a path that can be great for me and maybe even hopefully inspirational for someone
0: else too. Speaking of that, one of the things that I, two things in particular, when I uh, was writing this out on Saturday and I, and I thought about mistakes and I thought about my life in particular, Mm -hmm. the one thing that probably, it doesn't bother me, but it was kind of one Mm -hmm. of those things It was, if I could go back and tell my 14, 15 year old self something, it would mm-hmm. be like, don't be afraid of failure because oh my
1: gosh, yes,
0: <laughs> like I, I was petrified of it. Yes, because I, you know, it, you know, being as emotional as I am, it was it kind of almost seemed like the end of the world. But it was like the sun's going to come up the right. next day m- more often than not. This too shall pass, and that was kind of one of those things for me. It was like what I've learned about myself particularly in the last few years, is how cerebral I am. Uh, mm. Not necessarily that I what, am I the greatest at anything, but the wanting to consume knowledge and try to be my very best self at it. And mm-hmm. the thing that I've done this year particularly, I don't like to do New Year's resolution because I wasn't as consistent in the past with trying to stick with them. But I've also like what, I, what I'm what i looking at in front of me now on my desk is I said, I'm going to write a lot of notes, good, bad, or indifferent about things mm-hmm. that I feel. And I also said what I was going to do moving forward in my life was be intentional. Mm. I'm going to be intentional with what I want, what I'm asking for, what I'm expecting, because people will be intentional with you. Not all, not necessarily always good, bad, or anything, but I said, I'm going to be intentional about what I'm, what I'm looking for, what I'm expecting, what I want, whether that works out or not. Maybe it won't, but I said, that's going to be, at least you know exactly that I'm coming through the front door, not the back. You know exactly what I'm coming All from. Right. So that was kind of like one of those things for me in my self-reflection that I'm doing on an everyday basis for myself. Yeah, so,
1: yeah no, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> being afraid of failure, um, I think is one of the, I am constantly having to remind myself, like like remove that failure term, like remove it. Um, and then I'm also a perfectionist. Um, and so you put those two things together, it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> completely. And I, I have had to remind myself that perfection is an unattainable concept and it's not a realistic thing to even put that type of pressure on yourself. And so I am constantly trying to remind myself to give yourself grace and strive for excellence, Uh, not perfection, but excellence. And that can be manifested in so many different ways. Uh, So I'm so glad you brought that up.
0: Uh, Something that is not on our outline, but I'm going to try to tie. It's going to be kind of like a tie-in to a few different things. It'll be politics and to kind of give you the, uh so i'm gonna let you in on a little secret of something okay january 6 2021 insurrection day so Uh let me just kind of put the little seed of what i'm thinking as i'm watching it live i thought of a few different people you were one of the individuals that i thought about because i because if i remember correctly that semester got pushed back a couple of days because of some inclement weather. And so we, a lot of us were at home watching, especially being in the South, you know, we don't operate well in, in in bad weather like that. We just, we don't operate well. We haven't figured it out yet. Don't know why it's taking us this long, but we haven't figured it out yet. And you are one of the people that I thought about, because I had this moment of just watching it on TV and we won't talk about it just necessarily. Now. We're going to put a pin in it for just a moment. Okay. Looking at it live. I, You were literally one of the people I thought about because we had just come off the semester where I was in your class. And I said, I could just imagine being in your class and covering this event and just Mm. the the thoughts that you would have and the thoughts that you would want to hear from your students. We'll Mm. talk about exactly what your mind frame and what your thoughts were seeing it happen live. Because we talked about the election because we had a group chat in our class that semester. Mm-hmm. You were not a part of this group chat. I know you wanted, you wanted to be a part of it, uh, and
1: y'all excluded me, and it was
0: rude, rude, right, rude. right. But but this, <laughs> how can we love you if you won't go away, Doc? This had to be one of our things where because we had a date in one of this in in our class where you absolutely gave us the business. <laughs> You gave us the business because we, we were call not.
1: that the coming to Jesus day, okay? So that's when we it'll... come to the altar.
0: Right. <laughs> that was our moment. We were not prepared, and you were not happy, and you let us know about it. So we had to become prepared when we came back on that Wednesday. But we'll get into that. Um As we segue into something else, we're going to segue into sports. Okay. Let me give you, well, I've kind of given you my backstory on when I loved or my love for sports. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, Dr. Ward fancies herself as a pretty good tennis player. I'm not sure if that's true or not. First of
1: all, well, Uh, you almost had me say something to you on this recording. And I um, had to remind myself that we were on a recording. What are you not going to (laughs) do?
0: Well, I I forgot to put this disclaimer out there because I usually give this to all my guests. There, this is a podcast where if you feel the need to drop a swear, go ahead, because there's a chance that I will drop a swear. But he, that's neither here nor there. As I was setting Dr. Ward up, as I like to do, um, sports, and I gave you kind of my background of my love of when it started for for me for sports. Is there a moment for you where you have a favorite sport or is there just a moment in general where sports calls your attention? and it just never let it go.
1: Oh my gosh. I am. A, I love sports. I come from a sports family. Uh, my sister and I, um, one of my sisters literally yesterday were texting about, um, track. So, um, in particular, I love track. I love basketball. I love tennis, um, those and soccer. Um, those are my top favorite sports, um, of all time, but, um, My dad is a big track fan. Um, For his um, 60th birthday, he wanted to go to the World Track and Field Championships. Like That's how big of a track fan he is. One one of my aunts still holds um, track records at Central High School, which is the high school um, in Memphis. And all of us, all of my siblings, we all did sports growing up. Um, Those sports in particular, my brother also did football. Uh, but yesterday I have one sister, um, who, uh, was really, really good at the 400. So all of us ran the 400, um, the sprint, um, and track, uh, but she was b- hands down the best of us all at it. And I literally just texted her randomly yesterday because I was talking to someone else about it and without even any preamble, hadn't talked to her at all that day and literally just wrote what was your best time in the 400 and she immediately responded and gave me her time like knew what it was mind you high school was a good number years ago for us and she wanted it to we started talking about it and it's changed over to our sister chat and we had a discussion about like legs of relays and all of this stuff like we I mean, yeah, we love our sports. But I ran first leg of the four by one, four by two. Um, in high school, I played um, right um, fullback in um, soccer. Um, so love soccer. Um, I didn't take up tennis until I was an adult, and I've become obsessed with it. I love it. Ben thinks he could beat me. I mean, I correction, told y'all. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 correction:
0: <laughs> I, I I have never played tennis in my life let and me give he you still the, has these
1: delusional ideas that because he's an athlete then no, he can no, like do something cuz no, he no. likes to talk to mac
0: no no, no, no. <laughs> let me give you the backstory of how this happened
1: oh my goodness i don't know if i, I know. All right, so let me give you the backstory
0: of how this happened so we this is america and we like winners you all wow so <laughs> um let me give you the backstory so 2020 i oh, am my gosh. I'm, I'm in her class and she mentioned the day before when we were on one of our virtual classes that she played tennis and it just and she didn't mention anything else outside of this so I hopped in as I like to do and I said did you win she said no so as I like to say I said well that's that's interesting I didn't say this but it was just kind of the question was did you win that was more of how it kind of it became something else. Not that I, I don't believe I could beat her in tennis, <laughs> but it just for her to mention that she played tennis and did not win. I mean, I just... we
1: all occasionally lose sometimes, sir. I'm sorry I didn't win right, that day. Right. I it
0: mean, just, I just, I, I, I could lie to
1: y'all, but I don't make it a habit of lying to my students. And so in front of the entire class, I told the truth that I did not win that match.
0: I I, I give her credit for telling the (laughs) truth. I just found that final uh, kind of odd to that be her first introduction of tennis that she didn't win. And that it was hard
1: that I didn't win. I don't like losing. I hate losing.
0: I, I I I commend your honesty. Just found it odd. And I thought I I thought I should let her know because if she know I liked I will tell you what's on my mind and as and I as I set her up for that. That was gonna be part of the introduction, but I wanted to wait. I was saving (laughs) that one.
1: Because I was still emotionally like traumatized from the fact that I lost and I was still processing in class Uh and y'all were not supportive. Y'all were not there for me.
0: Well it, it it well the rest of the class may have not had an opinion on it, but I sure did. So as I like to do it, she like to say I I do like to hear myself talk from time to time. That, who would have thought? Who huh? would have Oh thought? look at that, look at that, look look at that. So yeah. Um she she as she has done she's given her, her background of things that she loves. One thing that she did not mention was football. Mm. Here's the thing. So, <laughs> as I like to say, Dr. Ward has an opinion. No. Nothing no, nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, by the way. Dr. Ward, as I remember, and, and, and this is actually on our outline, mm-hmm. 2020, the year mm-hmm. of many things, George Floyd and everything like that. I remember her saying this, and just this kind of goes into my memory bank of she may have not been the biggest fan of the National Football League. But that may have been something that took her over the edge where they did not make her a fan of the league at all. So let me kind of lay out and let you tell us exactly your perspective of the matter. As I ask the question, has your stance on the NFL changed or remained the same as I remember? And if it hasn't, be sure to correct me as you like to do, especially when grading papers and whatnot. What is your stance on the National Football League yeah as so, today or, or or is it the same that i misremember be, be sure yeah. because let me know if i'm wrong that that's one of her favorite that's one of her favorite, it, it, it past is one of my favorite
1: pastimes like oh. right there love it love oh. it love it yeah so at that time um i guess um we uh was that 20 your class was 2020 right fall of um, 2020 yeah fall of 2020 um was, was it fall or was it spring of 2020 fall It was fall? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we, of course, uh, following um, George Floyd, um, all of those, um, you of course have um, the continuing rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, You have the, um, the kneeling of Colin Kaepernick um, happening or continuing um, the backlash um, that he was receiving. Uh, So I, I grew up, um, of course, watching the Super Bowl, like most people, um, in particular for the ads, (laughs) um, for the commercials, uh, and for the halftime show. Football, in particular, has never been one of my favorite sports. Like, uh, I mean, I would watch it, uh, my dad, my brother, uh, of course, but it wasn't one of the sports that just really appealed to me. Uh, And then of course, over the last few years, as we've seen so much come out with you know concussions and um, the head injuries and all of the different things and um, the reports that have come out about how football has affected the lives, in particular, of so many black men, uh, I've just kind of been I've given it a pause. Uh, but then, in particular, what made me really watching for a while like a lot of people and kind of go on an NFL strike was um, the Colin Kaepernick protest. So I did stand or kneel with Cap. Um, And so, of course, uh, for those who aren't aware, Colin Kaepernick, um, former quarterback um, for the San Francisco 49ers, um, in protest and um, peaceful protest um, to the murder, the killings of so many Black people, Black men and women, um, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, Amanda Aubrey—so um, many Black people who had been killed um, at the hands of the state, at the hands of police. Um, he decided to kneel um, as his way of using his platform um, to draw attention to these murders. He kneels um, during the playing of the national anthem, and of course, it sets off a firestorm across the nation of people being angry with him, being angry with the NFL, all of these different things. And you have people choosing to kneel with him. You have people um, choosing to attack him. Um, And some people, of course, white people in particular, white racist people, um, of course, many didn't understand that he was protesting and pushing back against racism. And they kept saying, oh, you don't respect um, the country. You don't respect the anthem. And Kaepernick, just like Baldwin, James Baldwin, and many other activists before him, uh, was in essence saying, you know, I I love this country enough to show her where she is not living up to her true calling, where she's not living up to her ideals, where she's not um, living up to what she has promised, and that is to protect all of her citizens, um, white citizens, Black citizens, Asian citizens, because we we can't um, forget. Um, the brutality that's happened to the Asian community and so many other communities as well. Um, And so when this is happening and the NFL, of course, um, doesn't support Kaepernick, they don't stand with him. And Kaepernick, of course, is no longer a part of the league. Um, There were a lot of us who who stopped watching, who stopped supporting um, the NFL for a, a long period of time. And so this Super Bowl... Uh, this year uh, was one of the first that I actually actively tuned in for. And one, I actively tuned in because I knew I was coming on your show today and you and I had agreed uh, to talk about it. Uh, But I've kind of had a very arms distant relationship um, Mm -hmm. with the NFL ever since then. Uh, And it was interesting to see how Black, and I'm using the Air quotes, <laughs> uh, right now. Um, for those who can't see us, <laughs> um, this Super Bowl was, in a lot of ways, it was really fascinating.
0: she's used big air quotes, m- mind <laughs> you. So, uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I guess this next question is almost because I think you explained it in so many ways that you were talking about your stance with the NFL and, of course, with the Super Bowl being yesterday. And of course, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show shortly. How important it, for you do you believe it is for professional athletes and entertainers to speak up? And I didn't include this word at the time, but try to positively to try to create awareness for social change.
1: I, I think it's incredibly important for individuals who have platforms, who have access, who have uh, a voice um, to utilize that voice. For positive change. Um, We all have avenues and ways that we can make a difference and we should be making those differences in our areas and in the ways that we can. And so when we choose not to do something, when we choose not to address something that we have an opportunity to do something about, we are saying that we then are okay with it. We are agreeing to it. We are uh we are co-signing and and going along with it and if that's what you, you want to do then it's fine uh, but uh, I, I think it's incredibly important um, for professional athletes for entertainers uh, to really consider uh, the influence that they have and how they can use it for good and we see so many uh, so many of them doing that now Um And there are consequences, though, too. Uh, And I think that's part of the reason why uh, we sometimes don't see people doing it. And that's the reality that Colin Kaepernick um, faced, right? He made a choice. He made a decision where he said, I see people who look like me losing their lives. I see modern-day lynching happening on the streets of America. And he's saying, I can't sit by. I can't sit by and allow it to happen when I have a platform, when I am in front of millions of people every single week, uh, um, th- Thursday night or Sunday night, I I can't sit by and in the future when they're telling a history of my life, they can't just be like, oh, he threw for 700 yards this game or he did like that can't be my narrative is what he's in essence made a decision to do. So his narrative is now he threw for these yards and he also kneeled to say that Breonna Taylor's life mattered. He also, you know, completed this number of passes, but he also said that George Floyd didn't deserve to die the way that he died. That's part of the legacy that he's leaving behind. But because he chose to do that, he also had to give up that career. He had to give up that opportunity to make those passes to complete those um, yards. He 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 had to let that go, but he now has a platform in a different way, and you see his social justice campaign um, growing. The stage getting larger as he you know releases documentaries and different things, and we are. We are not forgetting his name, right? We are not. Um, he was. His essence, his spirit was everywhere yesterday. In a lot of ways, we were aware that Ka- Kaepernick has influenced the NFL, even by not being in the NFL. You cannot talk about the NFL and Black people and the fact that Lift Every Voice and Sing was sung for the first time on the field in front of a game. You can't talk about any of this without talking about Kaepernick. Um, So he made a sacrifice, but you're seeing a conversation, you're seeing a narrative, you're seeing change, Uh, and it might not be the massive amount of change that we all want yet. Um, I I know there are still so many things that need to happen. Um, I'm sitting here, of course, recording um, in Memphis, and I, um, yeah, I, I think about the murder of Tyree Nichols, right? That just recently happened here. That's the reason why Kaepernick kneeled. It was for those types of things. Uh, And here we are still all these years later and we have another hashtag. We've added to Breonna Taylor. We've added to George Floyd. We now have Tyree Nichols. And this is why Cap is saying the the battle goes on. The kneeling continues in a different way, in a different platform. Uh, And so, yeah. Uh, when we talk about speaking up, when we talk about positive change, if we choose not to, then what are we saying? What are we okay with?
0: I, I speechless is, is, is even though that that's very rare of me to to be. I, I think that's just that's I'm glad that of course you're you're here on the halfway house podcast and that we are talking about these type of things because I had when when originally throughout this idea you were one of the very first people that i reached out to so to have this type of conversation is something that i'm truly enjoying um oh thank you (laughs) as we move on and we look towards other things one of the big things that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about was the super bowl halftime show oh the reason i mean there
1: was a Football game in the middle of Rihanna's concert, and I was oh, like, But why? Oh
0: boy, but why? Oh boy, <laughs> as, as, as I said on my outline, I didn't have a question as much as I said, pretty much just like this Let it rip, Dr. Ward. This is your moment to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. Here you go. So, I'm going to lay out and let Dr. Ward because this was one of the things that she brought up, particularly in our face to face conversation.
1: I mean, when you said we were going to have a podcast on sports, and then we chose this date, and I said, oh, you mean the day after the Super Bowl, and you didn't want, you didn't seem to understand that that meant halftime? I was like, uh, uh, sir.
0: (laughs) Correction. I didn't allude to. Uh Understand has a Uh negative connotation Uh in this matter, but... Go ahead, Doc.
1: I mean, there are just so many things we can say about this halftime show. First of all, you mean, you've got Rihanna. It is Riri herself uh, doing what she does, being all that she is. Uh, It was spectacular. She was amazing. Uh, She was brilliant. Of course, there were so so many debates. So in class on Thursday, we were discussing, you know, what was she going to sing? How was she going to open? That was what my students um, in my African-American literature class wanted to debate. And so, so many people in the class were like, she better not start with, you know, uh, lift me up, you know, the whole like um, Black Panther song. And I was like, but I love it so much. I'm like, Wakanda forever. <laughs> and they're like, it's sad. It's depressing. And I was like, but no. Uh, so, of course, uh, just like everybody knows on TikTok, um, there are are so many different videos going around about what the opening song was going to be. And we all of course now know that she started with bitch better have my money. And what other song could she have started with? Like it was the only song choice that she could have started with. I mean, you have Rihanna who is a black woman billionaire who is only 34 years old who was not born into wealth, right? Like she is a self-made billionaire. That doesn't just happen. And she's opening at the NFL, the NFL, which has a history of problems with black people. I mean, a history of problems so deep that they had to go get Jay-Z and Rock Nation to, you know, form an alliance to strengthen their, you know, social justice efforts, which I mean, that's a whole nother conversation right there. We're not even going to deal with that, but
0: uh, <laughs> that'll be maybe for your next appearance. But...
1: <laughs> like, then I'm gonna tell you, bitch, better have my money. Uh, that's I'll, be, I'll be just like Rihanna uh, for my next appearance. The Yeah. So, she opens with this song, right, at the NFL, at a halftime show. And she starts with, pay me what you owe me. Don't act like you forgot, right? So, she has orchestrated this halftime show. She has chosen the one, the only, uh, Ms. Shirley Ralph, right, to do Lift Every Voice and Sing at, like, this is announced, at the beginning of the Super Bowl, so we have this whole strain of like blackness, this whole lead up. We're in Black History Month as well, right? We also know we have the first two black quarterbacks um, playing uh, in the NFL um, Super Bowl, you know, happening here. Like, there's all of these different things that are happening. But Rihanna is smart. She is aware. She is a brilliant businesswoman. And she understands the power of a moment. And she understands the power of a moment in a lot of different ways. Um, So I love the fact that some people have pointed out, you know, that in essence, she agreed to come out of her musical retirement um, to, you know, stand there and sing for a few minutes. In essence, to get uh, free long advertisement for both Fenty Um, for Fenty, you know, her clothing, her makeup, everything. Um, And she, you know, literally reapplies makeup during the show. She has the dancers wearing her clothes. I mean, it's a brilliant business move. And it's literally, pay me. Pay me for all of this. Pay me what I'm worth. She's doing this over and over again. But Rihanna is also aware of social justice efforts, right? Like, she is a Jay-Z, like, prodigy. Like, she is a part Uh, she's been a part of rock nation like jay-z if we think about umbrella and all of like her legal um business deals in the beginning she's a part of that culture that world and so she has also been active in donating to social justice campaigns she's been active on social media like she was tweeting out um about george floyd and all of these different you know moments um, that have happened um, in regards to uh, Black people and social injustice. So she is aware um, of these things. She is aware of what's happened with Colin Kaepernick. She is aware of all that is happening in the United States and the world around us. She is calling us out. She is calling out United States. She's calling out white people. She is calling out all of these different places and spaces that have disrespected black people, black women and saying, pay, pay me what you owe me. Like show up, respect us. She, she's starting it out and setting the tone. But one of the other things, um, cause you know, I love to teach um, Bitch Better Have My Money in my African-American literature classes in particular when I teach Martin Luther King jr um it's actually how i start teaching martin luther king jr and a lot of my students when i because i start many of my classes um with music um these days i play a song at the beginning of every class in my afam lit course and the song is related to that day's lesson lecture whatever we're doing uh and um so when i teach um King's um, full I Have a Dream" speech, or his letter, and partnered with his letter from a Birmingham jail. I play, bitch, better have my money. And the students are often like, "What? The, like, what the hell? Like, we're we talking about Dr. King today, Dr. Ward. Like, like she on she on one again because I know how y'all do. Y'all got have a little text group, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, when when most people think about King, right? They're thinking about that. I have a dream, little black kids, little white kids, you know, holding hands and like trotting across the field together, all happy and whatever. Uh, Like that's how they think of the, I have a dream speech. And it's because most of the time when we're looking at the speech, we're looking at an edited cut down version of it. We're not looking at the whole speech. We're not looking at um, the speech in, in its entirety. And that is incredibly unfortunate because the beginning parts of the speech are my favorite parts. They're the best parts. It's the part where King is calling out the United States and in essence saying the reason why he was there to give the speech in the first place, the reason why they were there for um, the March on Washington. He literally says in that speech, and I'm gonna click over because I want to go pull it up right quick. He, he in essence um, says, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. He says, when the architects of our Republic wrote the magnificent words of the constitution and the declaration of independence, they were signing a promissory note, right? They they're signing a check to which every American was to fall heir. And he goes on to say that America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. And unfortunately, many of us probably at some point in our lives have seen a check or a bank account that says insufficient funds. And so King is using this beautiful example. And He goes on to say we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. He said we have also come to this hollow spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. He's like right now. Like, we don't want this check tomorrow. (laughs) We don't want these funds later. We want it now. That's how the I have a dream speech starts. And why do we regularly see this part cut out? Why do we regularly see this part removed? Why do we regularly see the beginning of the speech be, I have a dream, that one day this nation will rise up. Well, that part is like a good seven, eight paragraphs into the speech. King spends seven, eight paragraphs telling me, bitch better have my money. And that bitch is the United States of America. Where my money at? Where my dream at? Where my goods at? Where are the things that you owe me? And Rihanna standing there, At halftime, at the Super Bowl, the biggest stage when life stops in America with her pregnant, beautiful belly, with her future inside of her said, pay me what you owe me. Don't act like you forgot. I call the shot, shot, shot. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was powerful. It was all the things. It gave me life.
0: <laughs> as we move on, Dr. Ward is in the wrong line of work. She can do television and radio <laughs> without a problem. And as we segue into talking about television, let me ask the question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a bucket list of shows that are for you where you like, this is excellent writing. Spoiler oh. alert. For you. Where you're like, as someone who wishes he was an excellent writer, I have ideas, mm-hmm. but they may not always mm-hmm. when it's time to put pen to pad work, as Dr. Ward would like to say. <laughs> Do you have oh. a bucket list of shows for you where you're like, this is television. This is of course, it takes a lot of things for it to go. But this is television done well.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I am a resident of Shondaland. Um, so Shonda rhymes uh, and like she can do no wrong. Uh, I have watched every single episode of Grey's Anatomy. I have been there since the very beginning. I think there has been some of the best writing ever um, to come out of Grey's Anatomy, which, of course, means that I also watch Scandal and how to get away with murder uh, and have now moved over to Bridgerton uh, because I am going to follow, you know, where Shonda goes, I go. We like Ruth and Naomi. Her people will be my people. Uh, That's how how we going to do this. Uh, So very much um, like all of those. Uh, Other shows, Uh, classics. I I definitely, of course, (laughs) love Living Single. I was a huge fan of different world. I hate it how it uh, of course has been tarnished for so many of us with the legacy of Cosby. I also, um, what other shows do, there's just so many, there's so many shows Mm -hmm. um, out there now. Like I think with the addition of streaming platforms and you know, there's new shows added all the time. I, I'm like trying to think of like the top of my head now. Like, what? Oh my goodness. What else do I watch? I, when I just have the TV on, I'm a huge HGTV junkie. Um, so, House Hunters and House Hunters International, I've probably watched more episodes of that than anything else in my life. Uh, so, that, uh, but of course, that's not scripted. What else on scripted shows did I lo- I love The Crown. I did do that on other. I've oh, I'm about to start the second season of P Valley. I love the soundtrack for P Valley. I think the music is phenomenal um, on there. Um say what else? Yeah. With some of yours, what do you like to watch?
0: So some of because here's the thing for me, until I really I want to say because for the longest time I didn't watch episodic Television outside mm-hmm. of you know cartoons and stuff for the longest of time in mm-hmm. um, sports and you know other than that like the Family Guys and stuff, the, the Simpsons that like I didn't watch a lot of stuff until really like right until the pandemic started so mm-hmm. some of the shows that I am such big fans of Breaking Bad mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. Um, watch The Sopranos, The Wire, oh my Mm -hmm. God. Those are like some of the shows that I just, that I'm such big fans of. I am now currently, at least that's on my list of uh, The the Godfather of Harlem with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Okay. I'm also watching uh, Mad Men and... uh, Oh, I love Mad Men. So those are some of the shows for me. As you alluded to, reality television. Mm -hmm. not one of my favorite genres
1: you've mentioned that
0: it's been diluted maybe for me maybe it's just (laughs) you know when you talk about being uppity reality tv is one of those things that i kind of you know have my nose up in the air towards so what am i missing or am i correct i'm probably wrong which if i am dr ward is about to tell me why reality television w- what is it that i'm not seeing or am i looking looking at the wrong reality television or okay
1: maybe... <laughs> well ben knows that um i uh, of course have a book real Sisters, stereotypes respectability and black women in reality tv so an edited collection um that i did um came out with rutgers university press um some years ago uh and we did some parts of the book in Our race class and gender class um, those years ago. And I started out like then where I was not a reality TV fan um, at all. And I talk about that actually in the introduction of the book. Um, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, why do people watch this? I remember being like, oh, that's so beneath me. I'm not watching this stuff. And my sisters and I had a bunch of friends who were all watching it and all of that type of thing. And I remember one day my sister, uh, one of my sisters came over and she was like, I am not missing this week's episode. And she turned it on in my house, which was an open floor plan. And I was forced air quotes again, to watch this episode with her. And of course, you know, I did the things that Ben does, you know, complain and whine about how horrible and stuff, you know, this reality TV was. And, but I was watching. And then somehow, I don't know how it happened. The next week, I think my TV turned on um, and (laughs) I ended up watching uh, another episode and I started watching reality TV. But as a scholar, I couldn't turn my brain off and these shows were engaging they were interesting but I saw stereotypes I saw these reoccurring representations of black women um, as like loud or angry Jezebels as Um, these reoccurring tropes. Um, I saw respectability politics in play, this idea that if you adhere to certain um, values or representations, that you'll be treated better, accepted better by white society. Um, And I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And I remember I was traveling I was on a plane and I saw this white woman across the aisle from me and she was doing her screen to watch you know, TV on this long flight uh, because I lived in Alaska for a little over five years. And I noticed that she was getting ready to watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I, of course, had been watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, but as I watched this white woman watch <laughs> The Real Housewives of Atlanta across from me, I just kept thinking, I wonder what she's taking away from this viewing of Black women. Because the research says that for a lot of white people, they don't regularly engage with Black people as peers and in their everyday lives. And so if she is consuming this show, and this is the way that she is engaging and in some ways learning Black people. What is this show telling her about the representation of Black women? What What is she taking away from it? And that's where I, as a scholar, was like, that's what I want to deal with. That's what I want to understand. And that's what I want to help people better understand. Because the thing about stereotypes is not that they're wrong because there are people who are loud. There are people who are angry, but that's not all Black women, right? That's not who we are. We are multifaceted. We are multidimensional. We are individuals. There are so many aspects of us. It's about understanding and being able to talk about Black women um, for who they are. And I, I want it to be able to help people better understand the representations that they see inside of reality TV. And people often automatically assume that all reality television is the, you know, glass throwing, fighting, hair pulling, you know, craziness. Uh, Ben's raising his hand for um, on the screen for those of uh, y'all listening. Uh, and that's what is the most popular because that's what Sadly, viewers want to see, but there's also positive representation inside of reality TV. It just so happens that those are the shows that don't get the most viewings and are often the shows that um, last only a few seasons or might get canceled. Uh, But there are representations that are um, not always negative in reality TV. And I wanted to talk about that um, in the show um, as well. And I mean, the book as well. And that's what we did. So each chapter, we look at reality TV in a different lens, um, through a historical lens, talking about how did we get to this point um, in reality TV, looking at it through a business lens, looking at the positive representations, um, looking at it um, through the connections um, through um, how children and families are represented, looking at it through fashion, uh, because you can't look at reality TV without talking about the fashion of the shows. Uh, But there are redemptive aspects to it. And I think it's really important for us not to dismiss that entire genre uh, because it is incredibly influential. And because it's so influential, because people are engaging in that space. It's important for us as scholars to make sure that we're helping people better engage, better understand, hopefully make better choices inside of that space. And that's part of the reason why um, I do the work that I do in that space.
0: As we get ready to wrap this up in the next few minutes, something that I did not mention earlier, but I wanna make sure that I get this included. She is an editor. She's involved in, she has been involved in some projects before. And one of her projects that she is an editor on is Real Sister. Stereotypes, respectability, black women in reality TV, as she just mentioned. There are other projects she's been involved in, but just quickly, why um what got you involved in that particular project? That
1: well, yeah. So I just mentioned about like how I got there, but in particular, there wasn't a book. Out that solely focused on Black women and reality TV at the time. And I wanted to do that. And I remember that there were so many Black women in the academy who I talked to who were watching reality TV and talking about it and having these brilliant conversations, right? So these are scholars, all PhDs, all you know, professors, these brilliant women that I knew who were watching shows that like you've talked about, many people look down upon, we're like, oh my gosh, that's total trash. Um, But they're watching it and talking about it through these brilliant lenses of their work. And I was like, I want other people to be able to hear my brilliant friends, you know, talk about this area that some people consider trash and to be able to navigate it and hear what I'm hearing. And that's part of why I did the book. I wanted to give um, people an opportunity um, to experience what I experience in some ways. And so the very last chapter in Real Sister is actually called a reunion chapter. And once we finished the book, I got all of the contributors together, all 10 of us uh, together for us to talk about the book as a whole, so that they actually got to see um, so readers um, they actually get a transcript of our conversation our dialogue of us talking about reality tv um, the actual thing that I was trying to do in the first place with the book so you have these chapters where scholars are writing about reality tv and then the very end we have what most reality tv shows end with a reunion chapter
0: all right so last thing let's pull the pin that we placed earlier and get the opinion of somebody or something that i've been oh wait
1: before you do that one more thing i forgot so like that was the last book but i have another book that's coming um i tell the world about this book because
0: i was gonna mention it offline because i I couldn't find anything about it yeah tell the world about this book yeah because i'm like i'm still writing it but i'm
1: under contract so it better come out at some point Yes, yeah, so it's called Black Women versus Everybody. So Black Women versus Everybody, um, and,
0: let, and make sure we put the pronunciation on it because yeah. there. There's two things you need to understand about this. This isn't Black Women versus Everybody. No, 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 nope. no, no, no. This is Black Women versus Everybody. Everybody, everybody. understand? Understand? It's a way that you said, and as people like to say, for those that get it, get it. For those that don't don't and the (laughs) book name again let's make sure we get this out there it is black women versus everybody everybody yes (laughs) make sure you understand that because i was looking i was going to bring this up offline but i'm glad that she brought it up during the show yeah But but she is as you said you're working on this book
1: yeah it's under contract with the ohio state university press um, so I am scheduled to submit it, um, this semester, um, <laughs> that's the goal and I am having so much fun writing it and I, it's literally, um, based off of this idea that Black women asserting and fighting for their rights and their humanity, um, they in essence end up fighting for the rights and humanity of everyone else, uh, because there are so many times and spaces and ways where Black women have been, either um, devalued or um, not taken care of. I think about um, Ida B. Wells, um, as I was sitting here in Memphis and looking out, um, and her street is right over there. They just renamed um, the street that crosses Bill Street, where her newspaper office, of course, used to be. And Ida B. Wells, of course, was the famous anti-lynching crusader in Memphis. Um, But she of course was run out of memphis um literally her life was on the line because she was resisting white supremacists who were killing um black people for asserting their humanity and she was of course saying no absolutely not um and she writes in a red record about all the different reasons why white citizens and white people of memphis and other areas were lynching black people and her fight To assert her own humanity, defend the humanity of Black people um, becomes legendary. Uh, And so she's this historical figure um, who's doing this. But if we trace the evolution of Black women standing up and fighting against different forces for different things, um, we get all the way to the present, whether it's, you know, Lizzo fighting, you know, body shaming um, folks or, Uh, Even Rihanna, what she did, you know, in the Super Bowl um, and throughout her career, um, where she has used her platform um, for a variety of different causes. Um, So these moments where Black women have stood up and said, no, uh, not today. (laughs) Uh, So that um, is just a little snippet of the concept, the idea. And I am looking forward to being done.
0: All right. So we're wrapping this up. Right. And as yes. I like I said, as, as we as I'm getting ready to pull the pin that we placed earlier. Yes. On the question
1: that you didn't send me in the um notes. But let's see what you got.
0: So <laughs> I, I, as I as I mentioned earlier, insurrection mm-hmm. day, January the 6th, yep. 2021. Mm-hmm. I could just imagine what your thoughts may have been. Mm. We're going to actually get some of those maybe filtered and unfiltered thoughts out there into (laughs) into the ether. Mm. I remember just sitting back watching, because as I said, the semester for Mississippi state was pushed back due to Mm -hmm. inclement weather. And my just original thought was not words, but just kind of like this, what you can expect from uh, the black elves. It was just that more of that "Mm, mm," kind of Mm -hmm. thing. What were your thoughts, maybe watching it, hearing about it, seeing it as it was taking place?
1: My first thought was white people going white. Um, <laughs> that was the very first thought. Um, was look at them again. This is some foolishness. Um, but like that was the first like I think ridiculous thought. But then the other like real moment thought was you've got to be kidding me. You have got. To be kidding me, like they are that in their feelings, uh, <laughs> like, and maybe that's still not a very serious thought. But that, I mean, that was literally like they are like they are that in their feelings that they are willing to try to like what have a coup in the capital. Like, w- w- what are we doing? Like, w- what are we doing? Um, and I I think I'm still mind boggled, and not mind boggled because I don't think white supremacy ever really surprises me. It's it's always it is what it is. It it is always there. It is consistent. It is always entitled, and you saw that at the highest level of manifestation on January 6th. Um, and so this insurrection, this moment of a tantrum from a illegitimate president in the first place, you know, like this moment that happened was a continuation of the almost <laughs> response to like I think if we tie this to the um, even thinking about the long civil rights movement, if we tie this to the um, response after the civil war. So if we, if we go back, right. So we think about the civil war, 1861, 65, it ends. And we have reconstruction and um, reconstruction, of course, is supposed to be this period of bringing the country back together, incorporating former enslaved individuals, um, black people into American society and culture. Well, you know, white former slave owners and white people who weren't even slave owners, but who just benefited from the system of slavery um, and who enjoyed the privilege of just being white, even if they were po-white, were not a big fan of this idea of Black people being put on the same equal level as them, right? And so then you have this rise of white supremacy in a different way. This is where we get the creation of the Klan, right? This is where we get this like resistance and this rise of lynching this is where we get Ida B Wells having to come into play um, because lynching is a post-slavery creation um, I'm often talking about this in class a lot of students often think that lynching was you know happening during slavery and it's like no this is a post-slavery construct um, because there's no longer this value in this black body that, is owned by me as a white person anymore. So of course, um, now there's like this open season on the killing of these black people. Uh, And so you have this rise of just white hatred Um, and you see this manifested in the Klan, you see this um, in movies like Birth of a Nation, all of these different things. Um, And it's in response to this moment when black people have reached This level of freedom, this level of opportunity, and white people are like, absolutely not. We cannot have this happen. And so in some ways, this level of freedom and this level of attainment is what we see with Obama, right? It's this idea that a Black man has become president. It's this level of freedom. Black people have reached a point and white people lose their collective minds. And they're like, absolutely not. They resisted. They're like, we cannot have this. And they do the same thing that we see after the Civil War, the same thing that we see during Reconstruction, the same thing that we see that creates the rise of the Klan, the creation of Birth of a Nation, the creation of lynching as this massive terrorist thing in the country. That's the same thing that we see happening um, because of Obama's election. White people lose their shit and they are now having this massive temper tantrum because a black man has risen to the highest level of power in this nation and they're not okay with it. It's how we end up with Trump. It's how we end up with him in office, one of the most incompetent, um, incapable of running a nation individuals ever, right? He's sitting in the highest level of power and he can't even run his own businesses. And he's sitting here Because white people were so hurt that a black person thought that he was capable enough to lead them, to be over them. And that he had this beautiful black woman that was by his side, who was also competent and accomplished and all of these other things. And they continued, white people continued to ride this wave of just absolute um, disgust um, with Black people asserting their humanity, asserting their rights, asserting um, their full manifestation of everything that King was saying, right? Of cashing that check that was owed, of, of saying, pay me what you owe me. Um, don't act like you forgot. They, they, they didn't like it. And it leads us all the way to the January 6th attack. It leads us to this moment of peer entitled ignorance of we're going to take everything like if we <laughs> can't have what we want we're going to tear it down for everybody not just like mean, we're going to destroy we're going to destroy the whole republic uh and that's what white supremacy does that's what racism does it is insidu- insidious it is destructive um frederick douglas writes about this in his narrative um on, in his slave narrative, um, he talks about, uh, I believe the, um, the woman's name is Mrs. All, the white woman, um, when he leaves the plantation where he's born and he's sent to um, a family member, white family members of the white people who owned him, he's sent to the city and Mrs. All, I believe that's her name. If, um, you might have to double check me on that one. Um, she has a child around the same age as Frederick Douglass when he's a little boy. And she, he describes her as being um, a fairly nice white woman that um, was kind to him. And she um, is teaching, I believe, her, her son or something to te- how to read. And she is also teaching Frederick Douglass how to read at the same time. And her her husband is coming home, and she's so excited that she's taught, you know, their little slave boy how to read, and she's showing off um, his skill set to her husband. And her husband is absolutely horrified. He's like, how dare you? How dare you teach this slave boy to read? Do you know that teaching him to read will destroy him as a slave? He will become useless um, because in essence, we all know that you know learning to read, it, it, it allows you to um, open your eye, your mind to other ideas and provides you with opportunities. And her husband begins to train and teach her on the rules of slavery and how she should operate as a slave master. And Douglas writes that that training from her husband, she takes to heart and that she becomes, you know, absolutely corrupted in her heart and a horrible slave master. And he, in essence is, giving us this representation of the corrupting nature of white supremacy, the corrupting nature of how um, slavery, of course, works, but of how racism works and how it can destroy um, all people. And that's, in essence, what we see happening, that we allow this thing, this cancer to continue to grow inside of our country. And it made its way all the way into the heart of our capital. And we watched it live, we saw it spread, we saw it metastasize, and we saw it there. It was literally a mirror held up for us Americans to say, this is the reality of who we are. This is who we have become. This is what we have allowed to spread and until we decide to do something about it, until we decide to eradicate it from our very core, this, January 6th, this is who we are. Um, and those were the thoughts that I was having that day as you asked a question that you didn't send me beforehand. But that's okay because we know how you are.
0: <laughs> She's going to make sure she lets you know how she feels. As we conclude, Dr. Ward, tell the people where they can find you and your unfiltered opinions. (laughs) Right
1: now in my house. But don't come over here. Uh, No. So, I am an associate professor at Mississippi State. Um, so, you can, of course, find me on Mississippi State's website. You can also always find me on my website, Um, So, if you are looking for speakers for a speaking um, engagements, I am always available for that. Um, you can find Real Sisters, Stereotypes, Respectability, and Black Women in Reality TV on Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, I think the University Bookstore. Um, probably carries it a uh, bunch of different places uh, but you can also find me on one of my favorite places Twitter and Instagram um, and it's just at Jervette a you know that Jervette J-E-R-V-E-T-T-E uh, and of course I want to say Ben I'm so proud of you You are doing what you wanted to do. I remember when you said you had this idea and you wanted to make it happen and you are doing it and I could not be more thrilled to be here with you and I'm honored that you would want me to do this. So thank you for the chance to chat it up again. It's been a minute since we've been able to do this and it's been fun. (laughs)
0: Well, we're going to wrap it up on that because I'm not going to give her a chance to say anything else to (laughs) walk out the door with an insult. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, as I like to conclude, as I like to say, in the meantime and in between time, we'll see you next time.